Hi, I'm Erica Ramirez, founder of Illy and host of What About Your Friends, a podcast dedicated to the many lives of friendship and how it's portrayed in pop culture. Every Wednesday on the Ringer Dish feed, I talk to my best friend, Stephen Othello, and your favorites from within the Ringer and beyond about friendships on TV, in movies, pop culture, and our real lives. So join me every Wednesday on the Ringer Dish feed, where we try to answer the question TLC asked back in the day, what about your friends? There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome to Jam Session. It's our summer books extravaganza. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. Amanda, it's one of our favorite topics. Books. We love to read. We do love to read. We like to talk to each other about books. I recently saw the film Book Club 2, Juliet. Are oh, you? Oh, how was that? I planned to see that. How was it? You okay. You planned to see it. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I would not say it's the best film that I have seen this year. However, it does feature Jane Fonda, Candace Bergen, Mary Steenburgen, and who am I? Diane Keaton traveling to Italy. And very nominally mentioning three books that they read as a part of their book club. And what were they? The three books. Thanks so much for asking because I made a list. I, there was actually one where I didn't, they moved so quickly that I didn't mm. recognize the cover of one. So there were four books Unidentified Purplish Book Cover. Okay. Normal People by Sally Rooney. Oh, okay. Good one. Woman in the Window by. I don't know, controversial or noted author, A.J. Fenn, who is a pseudonym for whatever. Yeah. And the inspiration for one of the worst Amy Adams movies that I've seen. And then The Alchemist, which um, provides the animating philosophies for the, the film. So that's it. I realize that I have not seen all of Book Club. I've seen parts of it. (laughs) So I can't speak... Sean must be really disappointed in you. I just had a very long experience recording an insane podcast with Sean, which was a different situation. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Check out the big picture, everybody. Check out the big picture (laughs) for some truly deranged thoughts. I can't speak comprehensively to whether books factor more in book club one. They do, I believe. But I did. I had some time during book club two to think about other parts of my life. And I was like, I'm not really in a book club. I don't know that I would want to be in the book club part of a book club, but basically you and I like have a a one-to-one book club and it's really nice and I appreciate it. I feel the same way. I also think it's time. I didn't prepare you for this. Mm -hmm. Can we out ourselves by having a difficult conversation about two books that are like really zeitgeisty that neither of us loved? Yes. I I think that is also possibly like a good intro into the lists that we made, right? So we each prepared five book recommendations that we endorse. And then we've identified some books that we haven't read, but we're looking forward to. I had a difficult time putting my list together with recent books because I realized I've read a a lot of books (laughs) recently that I do not recommend. I feel the same way. And we kind of briefly touched on this last year because I, at some point I was like, I'm not reading any books that came out after 2010. Yeah. And I'm not going to stick to that like that hard because one of my books is brand new that I'm looking forward to. But 
I similarly feel really disappointed by the so-called literary fiction that I've read recently. And I think it's just like a really weird moment for like medium to highbrow literature, popular literature. And yeah, I feel like I feel like we have these conversations in the shadows, but like I'm I don't want to speak for you, Amanda, but mm-hmm. I I can't give an unqualified recommendation of tomorrow, 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 though I read it in like a fury at a furious pace, wanting to just like keep going. And I also absolutely will not recommend I have some questions for you. And those are two like really zeitgeisty books right now. You and I, I think, did the tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow podcast. Did because we, talk about we- it? Yeah, we. I think we did because you read it in a weekend and I had finished it and it was recommended. And I, mm. I like it's an accomplished novel and really fascinating. And I had some issues with the end of it. And I thought it was sort of like an interesting generational reflection. I think I I recommend it. I recommend it too. It's just not unqualified. Like I have, Exa- I have some caveats, but I, but totally. I definitely recommend it. Totally. And I think, I, I mean, it, I just think it's a incredibly impressive, like, standalone, you know, it's just a novel that works even as like, I have some notes, but it makes you want to have a conversation. Yeah. So I think that we did talk about that. I have some okay. questions for you. Let's Listen, Rebecca Mackay. Rebecca Mackay wrote The Great Believers, which is, I think, a really, I, it's, it's hard to say, like, it's a wonderful book because it's a very uh, upsetting book about the AIDS crisis, but I thought it was like, it's a, sad. Yeah. It's a very successful novel. And so I waltzed into my local bookstore and I was like, wow, Rebecca Mackay has a new book. And then I read a little bit about it, just, uh, you know, on the book jacket, just kind of not doing my research. But I was like, I really liked The Great Believers. And this kind of seems like the secret history, but with like maybe a podcast element. So That's what I was hoping for. Sure, I will buy it. The Secret History, one of my favorite novels ever. And let me say, kudos to the marketing team for this book that they have managed to like associate it towards secret history because it, it is not a secret history. And, and I have to be honest, I, I couldn't finish it. I, I stopped about 80 pages in. I tried. You, for some reason, finished it. Yes. I don't, I don't know why, mm-hmm. but I was just like, I'm going to read this. And I did. <laughs> but I, for, uh, first of all, I, I can't watch Only Murders in the Building because like content that it is, that like podcasting is inherent to the conceit of, of the thing, whether it's a TV mm-hmm. show or a book, it's just like very, very hard for me to stomach. So I should have known that was going to be a problem. I ha- I want I agree with you with one exception, which is, and just like that, the mm-hmm. Sex and the City reboot. I don't watch that. I was, for a second, I was like, yeah, I know Claire's podcast is a podcast. No, I, which I is- <laughs> regularly call, I regularly call it Just Like Us, which is a wonderful podcast available on Ringer Dish. Anyway, I enjoyed the Sex and the City show, and I might need you to start watching it in advance of season two, which is in June. I just need someone to talk about it. I can also give my right. own book I'll reports. Try. Carrie is a podcaster. It's very funny. Anyway, I agree with you generally. Please continue. But, like, I, I think that there's, like, a couple of things that are going on in, in at least, like, the books that are coming out right now, which is that mm-hmm. there's, like, this desire to synthesize and account for the state of media, which includes podcasts. There's a lot of like, I had a lot of novelists having free time during COVID and imagining the future and it's bleak. There's also still, I think, this sort of like publishing and novelists grappling with how to make sense of of Me Too and like power structures. And unfortunately, the Rebecca Mackay book 
does like too many of those things. Like it has COVID, it has me too, it has podcasts. Like, so it's kind of like a perfect storm for me to not like it. And she's definitely like a gifted writer. I also read that book very quickly, but I just like, it's sort of like, I'm not looking for something hyper, hyper relevant or like hyper contemporary in a explicit way. Like obviously novels that connect with the world as you see it is like a gift and why it's such like an incredible form. And to like have access to someone's ideas in the form of a novel is like such a beautiful relationship. And like, I think why we love reading, but the current books are just not doing it for me. And I, I don't, I think a lot of it is like what the industry thinks that people want right now, because like, it's like book covers look the same and tonally it feels very similar. And so when you come across a book, like the most impactful two books I think I've read in the last six, 18 months, fiction wise are Minjin Lee's two novels, Pachinko and Free for Millionaires. We've talked about both of them. And it's because they're just doing something different and speaking from a perspective that's different. And also cr- crucially, I'm going to say both are historical novels. And I think that's a really helpful, but it's just not, it's just not doing it for me. Yeah. <laughs> the other, all the other books. There are historical novels also that I think for everything that is like new and you noted the perspective and the even the characters that they're foc- focusing on is very different. They are like still in a lot of ways, like doing like Edith Wharton or doing yeah. like, you know, just like a Dickens or, or, or Tolstoy, yeah. like in a very like old school, expansive, traditional, like novel as novel form. And I think you're right to transition very quickly from this, like one book that you and I didn't really care for, which I... I don't feel bad picking on it, but like this book is representative of of a larger trend that we text and talk a lot about in new literary fiction, which just feels, as you said, like it's grabbing all of the buzzwords and like ticking how many things, you know, can there be how many like different like on trend topics can it shoehorn into one narrative? And even the choice of this novel is in the first person but it's unreliable first person. And there is also, I, I didn't make it far enough to discover what the the trauma is, but it does seem like there is also some trauma. I just was like, okay, you sat down, you looked at everything or your publishers or like, you know, the entire industry looked down and was like, okay, what's selling and how can we jam it all together? And that's a bummer. And it feels like as books become sort of less in the center of culture, though, like, I might argue that they are not literary fiction, but other books are, like, increasingly in culture, which is a good thing. But people are just, you know, trying to figure out, like, okay, this sells this cover where, you know, check, 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 let's jam it all together. And it's it's a bummer. Yeah. I will say, personal news, this has resulted in me pursuing literary nonfiction. And... I can't say I'm having a great time and I'm learning so much. <laughs> so but yeah, I, I, for like the first time ever we do these lists, I've got a lot of nonfiction to recommend. I also have one nonfiction book on my list. That's really funny that, well, that we had know? to turn to the real world, I guess. I, I still like fiction. I still like novels. Me I'm pro novels. It's, it is such a of joy course. when you find one. I will also point out this list was when I was trying to do a recent list, you know, it's May. So I was trying to draw from the first half of the year. And books, like everything else, they, they, have, the heavy, a season. they have a season and the heavy hitters tend to come out. There's like the summer fun books and then the fall and like pre-Christmas books. So we weren't like picking from, you know, the cream of the crop necessarily. Sure, sure, sure. And I will say the books that I'm looking forward to, only one of them is like very new. So 
there's yeah. plenty of other stuff to come. Shall we begin with our, yes. with our recommendations? Yes. Would you like to go first? Sure. I'd love to. Mine is actually a one, two recommendation. And I can't remember whether I've recommended this to you on the podcast before, but I know I've harangued you about it off the podcast. Anyway, so it's The Last Samurai and The English Understand Wool, um, both by Helen DeWitt. The English Understand Wool is a novella that was released I, last year, this year, like who could keep up with the UK presses, but was recommended to me by a friend, Dan, who emailed me and was just like, don't read anything about it. Just order it. And I read it in an, in a night and also took a bath. And I have to tell you, it was like one of the best nights that I've had in some time. <laughs> <laughs> but then I decided to revisit The Last Samurai, which is sort of like a storybook. Have, you haven't read it yet. That's okay. It's, no. Yeah, no. It's, so it, it is also by Helen DeWitt, who's an American novelist. And it's sort of like a cult classic. It was released in 2000. And it is about in its most basic form about a mother who is raising her son who is very advanced and like might, you know, be like a prodigy. And the mother is also very taken with the Kurosawa film Seven Samurai. So Mm. the book is an homage to homage. It's like it almost borrows the structure and many of the themes of Seven Samurai, but is also interrogating them and then brings in a lot of other texts. And one of the reasons this kind of became a cult classic, it's like, it can be heady at times. There's a lot of academic like moments in it or acknowledgements, but it also just uses a lot of text and like other texts. And so like the licensing of it. Oh, interesting. And like keeping it in print, I think over time was was like complicated sort of like when shows don't have all the right songs on Netflix, you know, when they're like, whatever. So it has been in and out of print, but it's absolutely extraordinary. And I think I made it sound nerdier and less like emotionally resonant and also just like exhilaratingly proficient. It's just sometimes Mm. you just like watch a writer doing stuff and being like, wow, I can't believe you did that, you know, but not in like a purple prose sort of way. So it's just wonderful. Just absolutely wonderful. That sounds so, great. That's yeah. a great sell. I think I really, if you don't like it, I would love to hear why, you know, I think it will okay. engage your yeah. mind at least. And you tend to, okay. you know, actually like more intellectually involved pursuits than I do. So I like, I think, <laughs> you know, it's, it's I, no, I, necessarily I, that's, true. We like different think, intellectual pursuits. Well, I think it's the right fit, but anyway, the Last Samurai, and also The English Understand Well, which was, I can lend to you. But thank you, Dan, okay. for that recommendation. Well, that sounds great. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to look for it in used bookstores. Okay. Think I'll find it? Yeah, I think you will. Okay, that sounds great. I like the name Helen DeWitt in general. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Beginning my nonfiction life, here I am in 2023. I've been reading a lot of nonfiction and really loving it. And I had a really bizarre experience on a plane recently where I was finishing Destiny of the Republic by Candace Millard, which is a book about the death of James Garfield, a president of the United States. He was president for six months and I truly felt bereft. It was kind of similar to when I watched Get Back and then was like, wow, I'm really upset the Beatles broke up. I was like, wow, I can't believe James Garfield died. He only got to be president for six months. I, I actually had to like 
skimmed the last 20 pages because I was so sad. And the whole premise of the book is about the death of James Garfield. And so I was like, so sad. It is such an interesting portrait of the US in like the six months of James Garfield's presidency from, I think it's 1870. It's 1870, I believe, or 1871. And I just loved it. Candace Millard is like a pretty well-known literary nonfiction writer. She also wrote this book called River of Doubt, which is about uh, TR going with his son to the Amazon after he lost the presidency. And I will, I should have said, by the way, like all my nonfiction is like American history because I'm a nerd. And I fucking love this book. There's like, it's just like really beautifully written. It's a really interesting portrait of like mental illness and how it's viewed and what doctors did and didn't know. And also like a truly like singular president who only got to be president for six months or six, yeah, six months. So I, I just like really recommend it. So you told me that you were reading this book shortly before I went on vacation with my in-laws, specifically <laughs> who are who are both wonderful people. My father-in-law is like a wonderful classic dad history reader. You know, he's like read them all and he also happens to be a physician. So I and like and and it's like self-knowing. He loves all these books, but like he, you know, he'll make a joke about being like, and now I bring up the railroads, you know, like he's a great hang, love rich. So I was confident that he had read this and that I would bring it up at the dinner table and like score some daughter-in-law points, which I was really excited about. But then it turned out that he had not read it. And so just me being able to <laughs> recommend this book and he knew about the events. He like had opinions and he knew the author, but was like, oh my gosh. And he had to order it on Kindle right now because we were in Palm Springs and the Palm Springs bookstore didn't have it. Anyway, I'm I'm really grateful. So for I'm so happy to help. Yeah, it was it was really just a hit. So for the dads in your life or, you know, if you yourself are interested in American history, seems like a great read. I really I really enjoyed it. It's also like it reads like a novel. All of the all of the nonfiction I've been reading like reads like a novel. Nothing yeah. is really like and I will say like I just like have been like accumulating random facts that I'll never use, including like about the death of James Garfield. So sure. yeah. Destiny of the Republic by Candace Millard. Check it out, people. OK, my next I don't know if it's going to be on your list. It's The Go Candy House by Jennifer Egan, nice. which I included primarily because we had a date to talk about this and I then I forgot mm. and I wanted to talk with you about it. But also, so The Candy House is Jennifer Egan's follow-up of sorts to Visit from the Goon Squad, which I read, I don't know, 15 years ago, I guess, whenever it came out. And remember liking very much. And then I remember almost nothing about it. And I made the decision not to reread it before reading this. Nor did I. I did read the Wikipedia page, which I don't know whether that helped or hindered it. And I think Jennifer Egan is just like one of the great working novelists. And watching, I recommend The Candy House because even if you didn't read Goon Squad or you don't remember you really don't need to remember very you, much. You don't. What she can achieve in each chapter is pretty astounding. Mm -hmm. And th the thing, though, that I wanted to bring up with you is like, I think that this might be a collection of stories and not a novel. That's it only okay. becomes a novel like in the last story when it comes back around, basically. Yeah. And I had a hard time. And I don't know whether this is like my mental or intellectual capacity right now. I really did have a hard time remembering the connections from story to story. And they're there. And it's like, it's pretty amazing. And some of the thematic things obviously stay with you. But this might be like the only stories collection that I allow. 
Yeah, I, I largely agree with that. And I, I wasn't sure if I should recommend it because I liked it. But Manhattan Beach, her novel from like 10 years ago, is like one of my favorite books of all time. And it is quite, quite different than Goon Squad and Candy House, which are really like, you know, really belong together. And I assume will be published in one volume one day. Sure, yeah. And Manhattan Beach is so different. It is a historical novel about a woman who wants to become a Navy diver in in Brooklyn, Brooklyn's Manhattan Beach in World War One times. It has like the mafia involved. It has like, you know, like gender criticism and just like commentary about like roles for men and women and like, I so deeply love it. It also has like one of the best sex scenes like probably ever written. And as a result, Candy House is not that. And so I just like me, I was just like disappointed. But I was, when you were saying, when you were talking about Jennifer Egan and like reading the Wikipedia page, like I just think it's important to engage with Jennifer Egan's work full stop. And so as a result, like you should, yes, you should read the Candy House. Can I just say something? I'm really glad that we have our individual book club, but like, once again, you should just be in a book club with my dad. I did not know that Manhattan <laughs> Beach is one of your favorite novels, but it's also one of my dad just absolutely loved it. And then between this and the David Mitchell, it's just like you guys would really just hit it off. <laughs> That's all. I was actually going to recommend Manhattan Beach. That's so what, okay, we can great. just we connect over Jennifer Egan. I okay. just like I just feel like Jennifer Egan is very important. And okay. like you you must pay attention to what she does. So I, I agree. All right, next on my list, more nonfiction. The Vanderbilts by Anderson Cooper and Jennifer Howe. Oh, interesting. Have you read this? No. I think you'd love it. But, it's great. But you doing Garfield, is that the president? I'm so, I love you so much. Garfield, I remember yeah. that he was, I remember that the doctors, <laughs> all good. you know. But like you doing this and then the Vanderbilts like is is really some some dad stuff. And I say that with like love and respect. <laughs> This is an iconic run from you. Please continue. Thank you. The Vanderbilts, I started listening to as an audiobook. And when I like an audiobook, I stop listening to it and switch to reading it so that I can really take it in. If you are into audiobooks, Anderson Cooper reads it and he's very good. Anderson Cooper is a Vanderbilt, which I think most people are now aware of because of his extensive, he has a documentary about him and his mom. She passed away. He talked a lot about it. Anderson Cooper, the premise of the book is that Anderson Cooper felt more like a Cooper than a Vanderbilt and was sort of embarrassed by his Vanderbilt family. And he wanted to explore how they amassed all this wealth and then lost it. And so the book is about the rise and fall of the Vanderbilts. But it goes all the way back to the beginning when the Vanderbilts were like, just like ferrying people from Staten Island to Manhattan and then, you know, like back and forth across the Hudson. And if you like the television show, The Gilded Age, the family that Carrie, Carrie Coon, her, and who plays the guy? He's really hot. He's a Broadway actor. I forget his name, but her husband on the show, I'll look it up. They are based on the Vanderbilts. So it's like kind of fun if you okay. watch The Gilded Age to like understand. He's based on the Commodore and it's like a lot of family drama. It's great. It's like American royals like squandering their money. So I, I really recommend it. And, you know, it's also just like really, I've always liked Anderson Cooper, but I think this is like a really like, like worthwhile read. It's interesting for a lot of reasons because of his celebrity, because of like the rise and fall of an American dynasty, because of like how trains became a part of you know, the American fabric. And I just really liked it. So I recommend it. That's great. <laughs> I I mean, I don't know if I'll read it, but I like you and I are going on a trip soon. I'm like, maybe I'll let you, you know, recap some interesting things for me, like on a, on a train, you know, it seems like I'd a great, to. yeah. 
or at, or at a dinner, you know, just to sure. continue your, your dad energy. <laughs> my next pick is my nonfiction pick, which is Oscar Wars by mm. Michael Shulman, which is what it sounds like in the title. It is a history of the Oscars and the Academy Awards. I am obviously a huge Oscar nerd and always have been. And I and it, it's it's incredibly comprehensive. It's a history of the Academy Awards from like the beginning and they're 90 something years old now. So it goes back to old Hollywood. But I did find it a very, I mean, it's very well reported and gives you a history of of all of that stuff, but is also a lens through which to see the creation of Hollywood and the different like generations of Hollywood and and how it works and how power and and money and influence were and and people having rivalries and hating each other evolved over time. So I thought that I would read some of it before the Oscars this year for big picture. And then I just wound up finishing the whole thing, like staying up late at night. It was great. It was fantastically done. That's awesome. So yeah, that's a great Wars. experience. Yeah. Michael Shulman from the New Yorker. Yes. He is also from Camp Walt Whitman. <gasps> wow. Congratulations. Yes. He okay. and his sister, he went by Shuli Bop and he okay. loomed large in my, in my, in my memory. He was like well, a cool older camper. Okay. He, well, he wrote a great book. That's great. All right. My last literary nonfiction pick is a book I just finished. It's called Hellhound on His Trail. It's by Hampton Sides, who I previously referenced because he wrote one of my favorite books in 2022, which did not come out in 2022, in The Kingdom of Ice, about the ship that got stuck in ice for three years. Hellhound on His Trail is the story of, similar to Destiny of the Republic, the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. in Memphis in 1968 and the pursuit for the assassin who killed him. And I have learned a fuck ton from this book and it is written like, you know, like true crime because it is a true crime. It's really fascinating. Hampton Sides is from Memphis. So it also was like very personal for him. And it's like, it's really, it's really good. I also feel like it was really interesting to read a book about Martin Luther King outside of like an academic setting, which is like so many of my ideas about him are from what I learned as a young kid and then again in college. And so revisiting him as an adult in a really like substantive way versus like, you know, just the kind of symbolism of Martin Luther King Day or or whatnot, which is really interesting. And both like in disconcerting and reassuring ways, there's a lot of threads that connect with like where we are in 2023. So that's definitely some more dad core for you, but this is amazing. This is like, you're like individually (laughs) doing an American history PhD. (laughs) And I love that for you. That that sounds Thank fascinating. You. Yeah, that that one sounds. That's not just dad. It's really that good. Really, yeah. It's yeah. Hellhound on his trail by Hampton Sides. I really recommend it. My next book was released in 2020, but it is being turned into a movie that is going to be released later this year in 2023. It is Leave the World Behind. You know, it's so funny. My final book is also a, a, an old book that's going to become a movie yeah. that's relevant. But keep going. So Leave the World Behind is by Ruman Alam. And as I said, it came out, it was like the fall of the pandemic. And I don't want to spoil too much about this book because I I would sort of describe it as a literary thriller almost. But mm. that that kind of undersells what I think are the really fascinating characters and sociological and social aspects to it. I, I think he's a wonderful novelist. It came out during the pandemic and it was about things happening in the world that you don't expect as well. And so I think a lot of people did read it because they were looking for comfort. And then I think a lot of people, other people avoided it because of what was going on with COVID. So if you were in that latter camp, 
go ahead and read it without knowing anything else about it because it's wonderful and really interesting and a great read. He's a great writer. And also then you'll be ready for the film, which comes out in, I believe, November. It's directed by Sam Esmail, stars Julia Roberts, Mahershala Lee, Ethan Hawke, and Mahila Harold from Industry. So I, I couldn't be more excited about both. It just, it's all coming together, you know? Awesome. Okay. Well, my final book is one that I saw a headline about the next role or like an, a next role that Alfie from Emily in Paris was going to have, Lucian Laviscount, who we okay. we are fans of on Jam Session. This is a hard right turn, left turn from everything else we just talked about. It's called This Time Next Year by Sophie Cookson. And it's like a romance novel about two people born on the same day in the same hospital and then they're and how they meet again much later in life and it's going to be his ne- is going to be a movie that he stars in so i it's a very pleasant read very, definitely good for the summer definitely good for in transit on the beach just wanting some some candy and then you can imagine Lucian Lewis count in this movie my last one is also the fun frothy summer one and is also a a book that was released a while ago so that's what made me think of it. My last book is called Party Girls Die in Pearls, which is written oh, by... Yeah, I've seen that around. Plum Sykes, who cool. worked at Vogue and was, you know, one of those Vogue people who's photographed a lot in the 90s and then became a novelist. I think she's most famous for Bergdorf Blondes, which is another of her novels mm-hmm. and is fun. But Party Girls Die in Pearls is a, a, a very, like a silly but clever mystery set at Oxford. And so there, there is sort of, there is the mystery element to it. It is still frothy. I thought it was pretty fun. It's my favorite of her novels. So she allegedly, she allegedly allegedly has another one coming out this summer, but I can't, I mean, I just can't even find the link, you know, to pre-order, like help me out here. Anyway, I think it's a fun book and, and would be like a fun travel light read, et cetera. Sure. All right. That sounds great. All right. I mean, I can't expound that much on the books I'm looking forward to because I haven't read them yet. So I'm just going to run through them real quick if that's okay with you. Yeah, same. So go ahead. And Napolitano, Hello Beautiful, which is inspired by Little Women and I think has like some trauma in it, but I've never read an Anne Napolitano, but I'm really excited to get involved. My dad just did just read this and recommended it to me. So I'm excited. Have you read any Anne Napolitano? No, I haven't, but I guess I should read this now. Yeah, it's like really popular right now. And I, my dad loved it. And I, the little women, like it's like, you know, sort of like loosely based on that or has allusions to it is really interesting to me and like makes me feel like it might, it'll, it'll perhaps avoid some of the pitfalls we were describing earlier in the pod of modern literary, literary fiction. Next, I have The Past by Tessa Hadley. Have you read any Tessa Hadley? I have not. I have like a like a just like a personal rule that books that have endorsements on the cover from Zadie Smith, I I will give a shot. So I read Clever Girl by Tessa Hadley a couple of months ago. I enjoyed it. It's kind of like a oblique novel about a young woman, like a young working class woman in England, right up my alley. And my friend Sarah recommended this book to me. And it's about siblings like who have drama and like come together for a weekend in the country in the summer. So I'm pretty excited about that. Sounds very summery. That sounds great. Yeah. I feel like that's definitely up your alley too. And then lastly, I have The Cartographers by Peng Shepard, which I bought at the beautiful Center for Nonfiction Bookstore here in Brooklyn. Just needed to mention that store because it's so nice. And it's like a thriller about maps. And like, basically, I just started it and this woman's father dies. It's like happens in the first 10 pages. And she has to like figure out why. And it's like 
an old cartographer family who like works at the at New York Public Library uh, and it's a thriller. So I want to read this excited. too. This is yeah. great. These are great recommendations. <laughs> I'm so glad you feel that way. I haven't read any of them. Yeah, I, I'm excited. Your turn. I've got three. These, this is what's on my list. So the first is The Sympathizer. Have you have mm. you read this? So it's a no. 2015 book by Viet Ten Nguyen, and it won the Pulitzer Prize. So it's not like I'm, you oh, know, yeah. just like finding, you know, sure. un, untapped gems here. But I have not yet read it, and it's being turned into a TV show that's coming out either later this year or next year on HBO that's getting a lot of buzz. So I believe in reading the books before the movies most of the time. I agree. So especially when it's an incredibly celebrated work of fiction that I somehow slipped me by. I actually meant to read it last year, but it's we own this book in my home, but I think it's like still in a box unpacked, you know, so I got to I got to get my act together and finding it, but I'm going to. So that's number one. Number two is The Guest by Emma Klein, Mm. which came out for that. Yeah. Last week. And I think it's like a real buzzy book of summer. And my friend Dan, who recommended The English Understand Wool, it says it's one of the best books he's read in some time. So automatic sign up for me. I know. I know. I read... I've never read any of her books. I read her first novel, The Girls, which was 2016. And I liked it, like, obviously extremely talented. I liked it. It was sort of like a Charles Manson-y type book from the perspective of one of the Manson girls, but not Mm -hmm. explicitly Manson's, if I recall. I could be wrong about that. Maybe it was explicitly Manson's. Uh, anyway, I read it when it came out. She's very talented. I'm really excited for this one. And then the final book that I am looking forward to also just came out, and it's Burnham Wood by oh, Eleanor Oh, I want to read that Catton. as well. Yeah, I do as well. And I mean, again, Eleanor Catton won the Booker Prize for Luminaries. So, I, and this is her new novel, which is apparently like an eco-thriller, but, you know, and, and like just has everything in it. I think she's one of these novelists that can just like, it put the whole world in like a in a readable yeah. novel, which is a rare and amazing skill. So let me know how that is. Yeah, you think I'll like it. I, I really want to read that too. Those are again, those aren't like deep cuts, but it's okay. I think maybe we do they, it all here on Jam Session. Yeah, deep cuts, romance, dad core. We do it all. Mysteries. I didn't even recommend this. Oh, I guess the Plum Sykes movie is a mystery. The book well. is a mystery. We're growing, but, yeah. Amanda, you know? No, I, I'll just, I'll do the mysteries in the it, at the yeah. end of the year, as I do every year. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> well, I I'm, thank you for all of your recommendations, Amanda. Same to you. I hope you all enjoyed this. Let us know what you're reading. DM us. And thank you to our producer, Jade Whaley. We're off next week for Memorial Day, so we will talk to you in two weeks. Bye. 